Okay. Hey, team. Um, it's been a minute. Uh, sorry for the, I guess, drop-off. I really disappeared off the face of the earth there. But I think given the peculiar circumstances that 2020 presented to us all, um, I guess I'm hoping that you guys will find it within your hearts to forgive me. Um, and I will even give you a little bit of incentive to do that because today's interview is absolutely stellar. Uh, and I think you guys will have a lot of fun if you stick around. So let's get into it. Today's guest is the indie folk extraordinaire Adriana McCassum. Adriana's debut EP, Quiet Sides, on the Ghost Mountain label, served as one of the many safe spaces that got me through the dangerous, disorienting, and relentless year that was 2020. What I found in Adriana's breakout effort was a soundscape of immense sincerity, one that matched the solitude and uncertainty that so many of us probably felt over the past year. Quiet Sides presented a realistic glimmer of hope, One that wasn't afraid to feel the blows that life deals, while at the same time reminding us that everything will turn out all right if you let it. Adriana and I had an absolutely incredible first chat, and touched upon everything from her journey to express her unique songwriting voice, how depression in a flailing relationship would ignite her first body of work, and how her search for community and mentorship has led her to LA. She has been compared to a young Sharon Van Etten, mind you, by the indie rock goddess herself and find sonic inspiration in everyone from the Cranberries to Mazzy Star. We kick off our conversation talking about Alice Phoebe Lou's masterpiece, Paper Castles. I hope you will enjoy our chat as much as I did. So, without further ado, I present you In Conversation with Adriana McCassum. Enjoy. All right, so we just listened to Alice Phoebe Lou. I want to say uh, it's called Paper Castles, mm-hmm. um, and you were you were pretty giddy <laughs> throughout the listen. You seemed to really I enjoy was. what you were listening to. Yeah, thanks for recommending me a record. I like. I'm in the process of writing and writing a record for myself and um, digesting a lot, and so I feel like I'm in a phase of like input. Um, so that was great. Thanks yeah. for, for showing me that. And you said that that was the last show you saw in COVID. Yeah. That's yeah. so sick. Very <laughs> weird. It was like, I, I don't know, looking back, it's it's the last concert I've been to in general. And to ha- end it on such like a magical note, mm-hmm. um, it, it's something else. This is entire past year. And now to be finally back in, a, in an interview space. And yeah. thank you so much for coming. Of course. Um, but through that listen, um, I know that something stood out to you. Was yeah. Did that record do anything for you in particular? Like you're in a new phase. Were you able to see things that you like that you maybe want to transmute into your own project or just give me your general impressions sure yeah yeah um first of all i love her name is what is her name again alice phoebe lou alice phoebe lou well thank you alice for (laughs) a lovely record she we kind of talked about it throughout the listen but like she has a really amazing way of creating sound space and music bed and just like a general mix um with her very kind of like psychedelic synths and um sounds like guitar pedals and like all those different kinds of things that are like well one of the notes I wrote down was like this very vibey verbed out um vocal and instrument bed with these like 
drier drums a lot of the time so her mix is really interesting and so cool and i love it um and i love that she's so dynamic and the genre is very bendy and it doesn't really bendy i like that yeah (laughs) it just feels like she's doing her own thing and not subscribing to any sort of like track and i think that with writing that can kind of for me that's been a huge hindrance of like okay even just me having written this one EP, um, which is like my only body of work. I have a couple singles and whatever, but it's just like writing a record feels like, how do I write like a genre piece? But right. That can be kind of confining. Yeah. So, yeah, for yeah. sure. It definitely seems like she's she's operating in her own truth to some extent. Mm-hmm. And it's like the the lyrics are can be so vulnerable that it makes yeah. you uncomfortable at, right. at points where right. you're like whoa um but it's like it's it's so her and i gotta say like that album has in particular made me like a better man 100 percent. Mm. and it's because wow. of like yeah the themes yeah like especially i remember sitting there one day with the the lyric booklet and I was like doing exactly what you're doing, going like song to song, yeah, literally yeah. like I was reading off of my CD uh, pamphlet back in the day <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. just following the lyrics. And it like dawned upon me that that was my first time like really sitting down and digesting such a, a quote feminine body of work um, uh-huh. where and I don't know, it was just like really being able to listen from the opposite perspective, you know, as like a white passing oh, male. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. there was something that happened when I was reading through that lyric booklet where it just really helped me understand the place that female musicians could be coming mm. from. Um and that's something that I've like had I to navigate that. as like a male in general. Um mm-hmm. I remember I had this moment years and years ago, like middle of high school, where um Lord's Royals came out. Yeah, you remember yeah. that song? Of course. Um, and I loved it. And it was so cool. And I remember I, I was playing it for my mom one day. And I remember when that came out and it was like, everybody was like, who is this girl? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. It was wonderful. <laughs> uh, but I remember playing it for my mom one day because we'd always like listen to music on the drive to school. And mm-hmm. I was like, what do you think? And she was like, uh, she's like, it's cool. She's like, it's kind of girly. She's like, I'm surprised you like it. And I was like, that to me, like I stopped listening to it for a while okay. after that. Because I was uh-huh. like, I was like, oh, girly. Okay. Don't listen sure, to sure, don't sure. listen to the females sing, you know, go back to hip hop and all that stuff. Um, and so there is like definitely some deprogramming that I had to do as a male to really see and um, I guess extrapolate the value of music that females are making, mm-hmm. you know, because as a guy, you want to put up your walls and it's like listening to a girl singing about mm-hmm. seeing dudes naked is like something that makes you uncomfortable like puts your red flags up you know uh-huh. you wouldn't want to be caught dead and listening to alice phoebe lou if your boys walk in the room back in the day at least um so like sure yeah right. yeah no i was gonna say like a path <laughs> to like my adulthood has just been really learning to see from both perspectives mm-hmm. and appreciate music from any gender which sounds so basic and like it should be given but it's really something that you have to expose yourself no, yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, I've heard a couple other female, and it's silly for me to say like female musicians because it's just, you know, a musician. Right. And all the same. But um, I think, you know, even me listening to like a record of somebody, like a person of color, you know, that can be a similar space that I live in in terms of what you're saying. On one hand, I want to listen to it through the lens of like, this is somebody's struggle that's not my own. Um, And then also it's just like, I just want to listen to it because it's music that I like 
and it's not like it should be like female musicians or like yeah. you know like these streaming services that have these like segmented groups of like you should watch these shows because they're made by like people from what and it's like it's cool that that's being put onto a spotlight right now uh-huh. feels like sometimes it can be like tokenizing you know in a way right. and it's like a sensitive subject yeah. and i like i i'm with you on that yeah. it's like it's like wanting to experience something and appreciate something that's like not your own and also just trying to be with it for like what it is so that's cool that you had that you've kind of like grown with that record and i'm sure like if that's the beauty of like making a record and putting it out into the world it all all of a sudden isn't yours anymore you know Mm, it's like that became like a record for you and she made it for her own self and then it's like that's so beautiful yeah it's like all the, you and know? now it becomes part of my own like yeah psyche and part of my own like kind of path and yeah it's, it's a marker on my road as well as a marker on her road and yeah it's weird and to speak to the other point of just like everything sort of getting tokenized and everything kind of getting put in these different boxes of like gender rules or poc and all these things we're at an interesting moment where society is making such an effort to push undervalued and marginalized creators out mm-hmm. at like any rate, but mm-hmm. it's also making, I don't know, the consumption. This is something I noticed. It's kind of off topic, but sure. we were watching um, Mamma Mia last night. Yeah. Oh, sick. That's and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I was, it was my first time ever watching it. Oh, no way. And cool. Very strange watching Mamma Mia in 2021 yes because it's like the most idyllic like white family vacation getaway about like some old white lady Mm. who lives in greece and it was it was bizarre to see and like recognize in that in the instance that i was feeling uncomfortable viewing this show because of the amount of privilege that it displayed yeah you know i was like how many people can actually watch this and like really relate to it and how many people watch this and are like what the hell am I watching? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So I had this very strange, like, visceral experience watching Mamma Mia. And it's so funny because, like, obviously when it was made, like, that, they didn't give a No, it was just, like, it, yeah. was, it was one of the strangest instances in, like, recent memory. And it's, like, COVID was really, like, the vehicle for delivering this sort of, like, new perspective uh-huh. into how we consume yeah. content and, like, recognize our privilege and all of that. Anyways, so glad that you enjoyed that piece of music. She is Thank you. one of my favorite people making music right now. And I saw a lot of similarities mm-hmm. in your guys' music in terms of you guys are kind of in a similar lane running parallel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I find your I music to be it. a little bit, I guess, I don't want to say darker. And that's you no, know, you can say that. Yeah. It's certainly edgier, you know, <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. hers yeah. is almost like this, like very fairy, like um, like ethereal kind yeah, of, yeah, like, very cosmic. Yes, I agree. But to to start working into your music, so you recently put out it was last summer, uh, right? So yeah, last um, actually summer? last at the start of COVID. Start of COVID, you put out Quiet Side. Yeah, so it was March 2020, I believe it was the 25th. Mm-hmm. Um, which is crazy because my sense of time is really off. Uh-huh. Um, it feels like I released that record like two years ago. Right. We were supposed to have. I guess it's because I made the record like two years ago now. Um, and it came, you know. So this was recorded a year before you, re- I guess that yeah. makes sense, a year before you released mm-hmm. it. And in now 2019. it's, it's yeah. been another year. Okay. So I guess what I want to start digging into is who were you when you first started 
to uh-huh. make music. Yeah, yeah. And like, I kind of want to, yeah, I want to know how you got to Quiet Sides, why Quiet Sides developed the way it did, mm-hmm. and kind of where you are now. Yeah. But we could start just totally at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're from Asheville, North Carolina, born yeah. and raised. Yeah, so I um, lived in Asheville since I was four. And that's just where, I mean, I was born in Florida, but I moved to Asheville and that's like all my formative time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in Asheville from when I was that young until I moved to LA actually. Um, and yeah, I went to music school for college, um, in North Carolina as well. And, you know, grew up in the Asheville music scene for sure. And, you know, it's very like grassroots, bluegrass and folk and like older country. And then as of recent years, it's kind of, it's been cool to see the development of like the indie rock psychedelic, like slightly, there's like a little bit of a metal scene. So like there's been some new flavors over the past probably six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's got a yeah very cool scene in that way. Um, so I, yeah, I went to music school and then I, my last semester of college in 2019, I lived in New York for an internship and that was, you know, sort of when I started writing Quiet Sides, um, a little bit before I was in, I'm trying to like do diligence on the timeline here. (laughs) Um, I was in a really long relationship all throughout college Uh and I went to school I went to music school for recording and engineering kind of with the notion of like you know I did theater when I was young and I like did a lot of tech and then I was went to school for engineering and production and all that and I was like always on the sidelines of like making a record or like singing for somebody else or like doing tech but never really like doing stuff for my own and then the last couple of years of college I was like not happy and and I was trying for so long to push it aside. And, and then I kind of had this, like, come-to moment. Of, I think, you know, I, I just, it never felt like an option to, like, be a musician proper in terms of, like, a solo, being a solo mm. artist. Right. And so the last semester of college, <clears throat> or last year of college, rather, I decided that that's what I wanted to do. And when I was in New York, I was alone, you know, the whole time, like, I moved there alone. I was in a relationship, but it was long just dis- very long distance at that point and I was just like struggling a lot with depression and like what you know I guess spending all that time alone it's funny because like then COVID happened and it's like <laughs> I got, like isolation and being alone yeah. I think I did a lot of maturing and a lot of like for lack of a better term like you know looking at myself in the mirror so to speak and just being like what is it that I I want and, and like being in something that was unhealthy for a while, um, relationship wise, that's kind of why I titled the record quiet sides. Cause I was just like, um, it felt like things in my brain space that like I couldn't really share with others. Mm, that's very interesting. I actually, I have a note that's basically, <laughs> di- um, addresses that particular thing. Um, I'd love to travel to that in yeah, a bit, yeah. but maybe let's, let's go back like, I'm talking young when you were, Yeah. when did your sensibility start for first start turning towards music? When did it become 
when did it change from something that you enjoyed on the radio to being a point of fascination? Because it seems like by college, you already understood, like, I'm a musician. This mm-hmm. is where I'm going. So kind of map out yeah. maybe what were your first, like, musical memories that, like, really sparked something in your brain? Mm-hmm. And how did you even decide that you wanted to take that to college? That's a great question. Um, <clears throat> so I have, you know, a lot of memories from my childhood of absorbing music with my parents. Um, my dad was in a rock band when I was, before I was born and, and it was like a whole, a whole thing. And, and so I just, I grew, I grew up with a lot of like Motown and um, jazz and then like heavy rock, not like the Beatles and Stones, but more Chris Cornell and Allison Chains and like cool. all these like heavier yeah, like cool. things. And then my mom was more of Tori Amos and Alanis Morissette and Joni Mitchell and like all those kinds of yep. records. Uh-huh. And so my dad did like, I just always grew up with a lot of music mm-hmm. and we did like Sunday nights before the, like the school week would start. We would do like, it was called disco night with my dad. And we did, <laughs> we would just like have this whole setup and it was like all about like, my dad showing us new records and that was that was more of like a for fun family thing and right. then i would probably say i did theater like musical theater and dance um throughout my childhood but it probably wasn't until middle school when i started doing like talent shows and like open mics with my like shitty casio keyboard where I'd, like force <laughs> i remember being like 12 or 13 and like forcing my parents to like look in the paper which is crazy because like i'm not that old at all you know but like <laughs> yeah. back then i was like i didn't have a phone whatever so it was like looking in the paper or looking online and being like where around town i was like open mics and we would like go and because of school i'd have like the, try to have like the earliest slot and just go and like dink around with my so like 12 and 13 you already like you felt like you wanted to perform and like be in front of people like kind of y- s- singing your piece yeah, and that's when I started writing songs. Um, Did you have any sort of uh, vocal training at this point, or were no. you just like really like a pick up and play, just kind of sing it out type of person? Yeah, I didn't have any training. It was piano that I had training on, but but no voice yet. And then I trained. I, I took piano lessons since I was like seven, six or seven. And I was class, like, you know, classically trained and I like, you know, did competitions and all that. My dad was pretty like, not militant, but it was very like that. You know, he grew up in a piano household and like, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, which definitely like is a whole other subject, but like definitely still is ingrained of like my perfectionism struggle and like being kind of neurotic about that kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, which can be helpful and also like creates oftentimes like demoitis and just being like nothing's ever done um demoitis is that a word to describe an infinite demo state yeah yeah demo yeah it's just like feeling like you can never move on from like the writing or the demo space because you're like there's always work to be done and after the demo you're showing it to people and that means that like it's just like a vulnerable spot yeah and it sucks but i didn't take vocal lessons until i was pre like auditioning for college okay um, oh wow so pretty late and you yeah. were already you were writing songs around 12 13 and uh, yeah. yeah so kind of jump from there yes so it you know it's weird I, I was writing then and I think the beauty of writing at that stage of my life was it was so unfiltered and like the songs are 
terrible. No. And they're all in like this little journal of mine. But like there was no like, I'm going to be a musician and I'm going to be perform. It was just like, that's what I wanted to, to do at that moment. Right. And it was this very pure, like, um, this is what I love and this is what I want to do after school, after I get my homework done. And it's just like, um, and now I think the older I, the older I got and, you know, like going through puberty and all that kind of stuff, it was like your brain, you know, my brain space changed a lot with that stuff. And, and then I started to, I I don't know, I guess I started to get scared of, I think a lot of humility maybe set in or like, I've always had a quality of like not wanting to be in anybody's way or like for a while it was like a people pleasing thing. So I was like, you know, and my, my parents always fostered like the artistic things that I pursued, but it was always like, you know, I came from like a lower middle class space. So like there was no like foundation of like, here's this, all this new equipment or here's like, you know, like I didn't grow up in a household of like that already being a foundation necessarily. So it was all like, if you want to do this cool, but you better work your ass off type of thing. So I was always like, no, like that, who am I to think that like I can, this Mm -hmm. is crazy. Like that's like you were saying before, it's such a, a, against the you know pursuing music as a solo artist is intense yeah it's the path of most resistance yeah yeah yeah. so that's why i ended up pursuing like musical theater or like i was in choir for a while or like did tons of like tech theater work or like you know i i I worked i've done some composing i've done like things all around right and so it wasn't re- honestly like until I was an engineer in school and I was like making everybody else's records and I was like, it just didn't feel right. So anyways, yeah. I know that's like a lot of no, that's, around. <laughs> that's good. It provides a lot of perspective and it's interesting that you like it's you have this will to, to not necessarily take up a lot of space and not impose, not step on anybody's toes or I guess more plainly, it's not to draw attention to yourself. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so you dived a little <laughs> bit more into musical theater and engineering where it's like you're making music, but you're in service of others. Totally. And it's like totally. you're you're running around what's inevitable, which is <laughs> yeah. like, I have to do this for me at some yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I guess, you know, you started writing songs at like 12, 13 in high school. You did the whole musical theater thing. Uh-huh. Um, and then I guess just the trappings of late adolescence, early adulthood, just crack open your, mm-hmm. your songwriting kit and... You're probably going to deeper places, taking yeah. lyrics to a yeah. place that's not so, I guess, um, cookie cutter anymore. Is that like kind of your experience? So are you were writing, I guess, more, you're writing your truth more and more and yeah. started expressing itself? Yes, that for sure. And also like honestly going to shows on my own. Um, <clears throat> and I, I have pretty vivid memories of a couple of different concerts i remember going to actually an angel olsen show before i knew who she was in Asheville, and i didn't know the record and i didn't know really anything about her and you know my my partner at the time was like you have to come to the show and we were front row and i just like it was in college right around the time where i was battling with like what do i how do i like leave this space and you know, like being in school and having structure. And like, I, I was just like battling with like what I wanted to do really. Mm. And then I remember going to that show and just like crying the whole time and being so taken by her and her vulnerability and her mm. songwriting and like the record and just being like, this is what I want to do. Wow. Um, Which is like, you know, 
I miss that so much in COVID, like the feedback yeah. loop of like seeing shows and um, yeah, I feel like for a while college was a really dark space for me, um, like depression wise. And so like, I honestly feel like this is might sound corny, but it's like um, being able to share how I feel in music feels a lot easier than like talking about it mm-hmm. sometimes. Um, and it's just healing. Like I, I kind of feel like once I owned up to like, I think this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, something just kind of like shifted mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I have another choice of like anything else that I can do with my life. I mean, there's adjacent things that I would love to do. Like my dream is to like score a film and like cool. work in that environment. And, and like there's, you know, like there's, again, a lot of those like adjacent spaces I want to live in as well as a musician. But like, um, I, I feel like it's, I've talked to other musicians about it and it's like, it feels good to have other people that like agree with Mm -hmm. that's kind of where they live too. But anyways, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you're like come to Jesus moment. You're battling (laughs) depression in college Yeah. and you're standing front row at Angel Olsen and you're just having this spiritual experience while she's just wailing her heart out. Yeah. And that was a couple you know, different shows. It wasn't just hers, but it was like this, like I went to, do you know who car seat headrest is? No, there he's really, really cool. Um, but a couple different shows that happened to me. Oh, car seat headrest. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, for some reason I read that as like an actual name, like car seat headrest. Yeah. 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 (laughs) No, he's great. Um, but yeah, it just, I'm glad I'm now in the space of like, not having to battle with like thinking about if it's something that I, I want to do or feel like I deserve to say, even now, like being out in LA, it's a very like commonplace thing to ask. Like, what do you do? You know? Oh yeah. It's and everybody like works in entertainment. Yeah. And it's like, it's weird to even be like, yeah, I'm a musician. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how sometimes to answer that question. And like my right. friends around me will be like, why don't you just say it? Yeah. But, um, it feels cause it feels like such a hustle. and like, I'm not, do you, I don't I don't know how to describe it, but I'm sure you can relate. On yeah, some, on no, some I get it. I I um I was actually the the whole what do you do question never fails to like get the blood running, and it's yeah. I remember I was at a dog park uh, with my wife, and we were all just standing in a circle with like these other dogs that my dogs were getting along with, and mm-hmm. like when your dogs get along with a certain group of dogs, you yeah. talk to their owners. I know, you know it's like a weird it's like yeah. this weird thing, <laughs> and like we just got into that conversation and it was just like the most LA, what do you do? Cause we're just like, what do you do? And cause like, Oh, he's like, yeah, I, uh, I work in entertainment. He was like, I score. No, what did he do? He's like, I produce cable television shows or something. And he was like, what about you? And she's like, Oh, I'm a music producer. She's like, I work with blah, 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 blah. And like do all this. And then she like turns to my wife and she's like, what do you do? And she's like, I manage influencers. And then she turned yeah. to me. And it's like, what do you do? I build digital apps. And I was like, yeah, Oh, kill me. Uh, yeah. I know. It's like, it's like, I work in entertainment. It's like, no way. Like, um, yeah. I think it's, I try, I hesitate to ask that to anybody out here because. It's so invasive. It's so invasive <laughs> it's and so it's invasive. so like this just, um, I've heard, I'm like the word isn't coming to my mind, but it's like, it's so just this like default. Yeah. There we go. Of like, okay, like what do you do? That's cool. But also like, who are you? Like, where are you from? Right. I don't know. Like there's so many other cool questions and i'm not from here so like, yeah I, I i feel like i notice it more than people who are like geared to just be like how do we network who are you what right. do you do can we you know yeah which is cool and like i don't i try not to judge it but i'm also like 
ah there's there's a lot of people that like i don't know it's like i i hesitate asking that question because i know a lot of people don't want to answer that like so many people are still figuring it out that asking somebody what do you do has just the chance to throw them in like an existential crisis like especially in the middle of like a group setting the middle of your day just like fuck yeah like ah damn i didn't have that answer you know so fuck that question um back to so angel olsen your your front row and so like tell me a little bit about the environment in which you were you were kind of navigating and why all of a sudden it made sense that like you needed to put your own music Mm -hmm. first like uh, where it was the depression you were dealing with in college, kind of like your typical existential crisis depression. Mm. Uh, what was going on to where this like spark really got ignited and you were able to to kind of get after it? Yeah, that's a big question. I think a couple couple different things. Um, my f- one of the final proje- projects for my recording class was to record a, a pe- like a song of my own. Um, and that kind of helped, you know, force myself to flesh out a a piece that I would be really sharing with others. I mean, we had these things called like, like listening parties or kickback session, whatever, where we'd like bring the whole class in and like talk about the, the piece or the recording and like critique it. So it was a space for me to like really like light a fire, fire under my ass and just like build a song and record it and, um, do it for myself in the presentation for other people but in terms of the things I was struggling with um I felt like music school it's there's a high burnout rate um in my opinion especially for a lot of people I know and um being like going through four years of technical knowledge and rules and kind of like how to build an intro to a song, how to record like a proper drum kit, like how to, my, you know, those are all useful things for sure, especially as an engineer or a manager or, you know, X, Y, and Z. If you want to be in a symphony orchestra, sick. Like there are plenty of upsides to it. However, it felt like I was a lot of times like losing, like wasting time in a space where like, I feel like I'm just now learning, like, how to play with a band or how to work with a manager and in a real-time way that, like, college just never would have taught me. Mm. So I felt like it just felt um, confining and isolating. It was in this, like, small kind of mountain town and, like, the house show scene was really cool. Um and there were definitely positive aspects, but the depression, yeah, definitely was in part just like what you would kind of a lot of people experience in college, and also like um, feeling like I didn't have a have a spot or a place or like a group, like a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and now being out here, I feel like I have that for the first time. Mm. Um, so it kind of festered. For a while, I, like, didn't know how to write about it or was scared to write about it because writing, for me, can kind of be in, just very intense and, like, can catalyze a lot of emotions that, like, otherwise stay dormant a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like, my senior year, like, kind of going back to what I was saying earlier, 
I coming back from New York and absorbing all this culture that I, you know, I missed, I feel like I missed out on that in college. Like I missed out on being in like a very culture heavy space and being in New York. That's like all it is, Mm -hmm. as you know. Yeah. Um, and going to shows and just like absorbing all of it on my own. I had so much time for input and reflection and like coming to, um, that I wrote all these songs and was finally like, I need, I need to find a way to work with somebody and and like make this some sort of body of work. That was important to me, like making it like a collection, like a piece Mm -hmm. instead of just like singles. And I think, um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy to get into like what the record's actually about, yeah. if you want. Yeah, for um, sure. I know I'm kind of like jumping all over. No, no, no. I, I think we've made it through college, and now I think we're at the point where it's like quiet sides probably starting to come onto the radar. So talk to me a little bit about the events that all of a sudden triggered the creation of Quiet Sides. Mm-hmm. And you have a single called Pressure, which didn't make it. Yeah. On to Quiet Sides. Yeah. Which leads me to believe that you had a very specific vision for what Quiet Sides was supposed to be and Pressure was not part of it. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about the story of Quiet Sides, how it, how it arrived um, through the writing process, sure. why these songs became the four and the EP. Um, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, it's funny. I like forget that Pressure is <laughs> out there. Yeah, so I'm, I wrote that song... Um, I wrote, gosh, did it come out in 2019? I'm having a hard time. Yeah, 2019. I did. Okay. So I wrote that song and I produced it all in like a 24 hour period with my guitarist. Now his name is Hunter Boyer. He went to music school with me and he's also an engineer. And we like, we like, I brought it to him the full, like the full song, but he produced the whole thing. We just like, like finished it all in like this 48 hour window um, and that was the first thing I ever put up and that was your first song on the internet. Like, yeah, that's your, oh, yeah, that's a great, it's a great for like first foray out. Like it's a very Thanks. developed and great, like it's wonderful. Thank um, you. I, I enjoyed I, it. You, thank you. Um, I've wanted to take it down many times because it just feels, yeah. I mean, that's just like how it, of course. it is. Yeah. You know, you're just like the first, you're just like, this is garbage. Like uh-huh. let's take it off. But, um, you know, I've talked to several people about it and it's like, you know, people like to, see i guess where you've where you've grown and where you've come from so i just like i try to like remove myself from that and just be like that's part of the process yeah. is like writing things i don't necessarily love but i thought about putting it on the ep but it it's such a different that song is definitely more specifically about college and like feeling depressed and like isolated and like the about social anxiety yeah um being pressured to go hang out with people and yeah and kind of like have a face and like be a personality of sorts and like be likable and all these different things um but so it feels like a very different body mm-hmm. whereas like my record quiet side it feels like it's burned for me for, uh in a good way just like i've had so much time to like like marinate with it mm-hmm. for the past year so it's this it's funny because i never had a chance to play it live and so i wonder what my like reaction would this be like right when it came out because it's cool i'm being able to sit with you in person this is wild <laughs> um anyways so yeah i wrote part of quiet sides in new york some of it before some of it right after i got home in the summer 
before I started recording. So we started making the record, like recording and, and mixing and all that stuff in September of 2019. So it's a pretty fast turnaround. It's like eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't feel fast in the moment, but looking back is fast from like, you know, writing, mixing, recording, producing, mastering. It's probably like, I guess, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So anyways, yeah, the record is about me experiencing a relationship, a romantic relationship that kind of needed to end for a really long time. Mm. And um, it was a very dark space for me. And I went through a lot of trauma with that partner um, circumstantially through like he lost his dad and, um, you know, him... I was close with his with his dad and very close with his family. We dated for like five years. So it's just like, you know, kind of how that stuff happens. Right. And then just also like, uh, without getting too much into it, just like it wasn't healthy and, and I put myself on hold in service for somebody else. Like mm-hmm. I, I just gave so much of myself to this person and didn't get anything back for a while. Um, and I wrote these songs and like totally didn't know what I was writing for a while. And um, that's what Killer is about actually on, on the EP. It's just like having this realization of like sitting with somebody and for so long feeling like apathy or loss of presence and like being able to understand what you're feeling and then just like having a moment where it just clicks and you're like, whoa, like I've given... So much of myself away. Um, so that song is kind of about that realization. But anyways, the what was interesting about making the record was that like I I didn't really realize what I was writing until like I, we were recording. And the last song on the record um, is called I Guess I Was In Love. Mm. And like that song is all done in one take. Um, so like the organ and the vocals and the guitar and like all that is like all live. Yeah, And I remember like recording it and my eyes were closed and I was just like we press record and I was just like very in it and we stopped recording and I like was still in it and then (laughs) the recording engineer was like are you okay (laughs) and then I just like started crying and it was like we did several other takes but we had like afterwards we listened to them on he was like the first one's like it yeah um so it was like I fell in love with just like I don't know, making music and like what that yeah. brings. But anyways, yeah. It, it's yeah. Quiet Sides to me, it, it feels very cathartic. Like even for me on the outside, I have no, I kind of going back to what you said yeah. in the beginning, it's like, it's not my struggle that mm-hmm. I'm feeling, but it's like the the way that you were able to transmute that um, into music helps me process mm. my own states. You know, this came out right at the beginning of COVID. And I remember I it was know, like, yeah. it was one of those early pieces of music during COVID that really resonated where I was like, oh, this is still <laughs> wow. like, it's beautiful. Um, and it feels, it feels very much like a, like a, like a stream of consciousness, you know? And it's, mm. it's interesting because um, your songwriting is so deeply personal and Thank you. almost to the degree of alienating the listener, right? Because it's like you're yeah. you're almost oh, wow. like writing these. You're giving us just enough to hook us, but not enough to like really let us in, uh-huh. which I thought was very fascinating. It's like some of the lyrics here are almost like these fixations in your brain, and it feels oh, almost cool. like um yeah. like especially on now I feel it. It's yeah. 
it turns almost into a mantra by the end. Yeah. You know, like the the last like two minutes of the song. Yeah, yeah. Are you repeating the same phrase over and yeah, over yeah. and over? Uh, you're all right now. And yeah. so I was curious, was that a mantra to yourself, like kind of helping you process this like traumatic end to a relationship? Or, yeah, or is that so to your partner? Or is that, what? where did this come from? Yeah, that's such cool feedback. <laughs> it's so cool how different people digest yeah. stuff. It's like, it's so awesome. With that song specifically, there's like two iterations of like the lyrics. So it's, you're all like A-L-L right now. So like you, as in my partner at the time, like you're all, I'm feeling an M right now. And then also the different, the other spelling of like, you're all right mm-hmm. now. That's kind of, which like to the listener you can't tell but like to (laughs) me it was like oscillating between those two things Mm -hmm. and again I didn't really know what I was writing until after we were like producing and in that phase so I think yeah it probably was like a mantra and like a like a comfort for me um especially that song and I think what's important to me going into writing this new record is like knowing like writing not a concept album but like having a little like I learned so much with Quiet Sides of like how to direct musicians and how to like make a sound which is what's cool about the record you showed me it's like she has this ability to build a piece Mm. like a full sonic space that pulls sounds from each song to like make it like a full circle right which I struggled a lot with in my EP and I want to do with this record. And you know, the only way you can kind of learn is by like fucking up or writing something else. And you're just like, okay, it's cool that I made this thing. And now I want to like really grow and move. That being said, I do think you did an effective job at creating cohesion across the tracks. When I, when I listen, (laughs) your music sounds like how your album cover looks. And I think that's, (laughs) that's like that to me means you did it successfully because it's like you took a theme and you spread it throughout um and i don't know if it was as cohesive as you would have liked but it's like every track i could tell was made in a very similar line of thinking in a very similar space Mm -hmm. like headspace Mm -hmm. um and even the instrumentation just really kind of carries it along to where it's only four tracks but it feels like a little bit of a journey like by the time you close it out cool um so it's like you definitely did a good job at doing that and so if your mind's already there and like how do i create this like cohesive sonic narrative i can only anticipate that your next project is going to be even even wilder in terms of that did you find um you did you listen to the record when it first came out at the oh no way like day one like because i I, yeah because i follow andrew and um, yeah he was he he said he was doing uh, the 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 label and I was like okay this is cool because like he's a vinyl head and I was like there's obviously going to be some vinyl to buy you yeah, know and I so, wish yeah, yeah God <laughs> yeah the but next project, yours yeah. only came out on cassette but I was still I was just like I'm gonna listen to this and immediately it was just like um, there was something that felt familiar about the music too from like a, almost like a sonic standpoint and I actually um, I played quiet sides for my mom when I was back in Jersey a couple of weeks ago. Like we were just oh. driving to go pick up my brothers and I put it on. My mom does this thing where like she, she's like a serial Shazammer. 
Um, uh-huh. And yeah, so I was it, driving, and like every time she whips out her phone, she's like shazamming what I put on. I love, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just like as soon as she heard "Now I Feel It," as soon as you started singing, she's just. Oh, mom, that's um, great. But she Thanks said, yeah, she said that you had almost like a, like a cranberries type <gasps> energy. Oh, wow. That's something that reminded her of that. And like, that's such a compliment. I wonder if that's what I was feeling. But also there's a lot of influences from like, I definitely see cranberries. You told me you, you grew up listening to Alanis Morissette. Like that also kind of yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, But then also like Mazzy Star is huge. Yes, you, that's a huge influence yeah, for me. You have that whole like. Dark, sad girl thing, yeah. like, down to a T. <laughs> it was like, this is awesome. Sad girl uh, hour. Yeah, yes. that's what it is. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I listened right when you, literally, the first day it was out, I was streaming it, and Thank it was, it made so it into, sweet. like, my playlist, same day, and I was like, this is cool, that's, let's Rad. keep, let's keep it going. And so, yeah, Quiet Sides was awesome. I have a couple, I have a couple notes here. Sure. But a yeah. little bit, um... So like kind of speaking to what I said, like your lyrics to me feel like these little fixations in your brain mm-hmm. where it's like something will catch you and like it only kind of makes sense to you, but it means a yeah, lot, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and so you'll sneak it into the songwriting process mm-hmm. there. Like even I, I don't know the lyric to a T, <laughs> but it's like you mentioned something about taking off your shoes or something like I think it's in oh yeah California, um, maybe yeah i it's the lyric is i can no longer feel my toes so take your shoes off when you come in yeah and i'm like i have no idea what this (laughs) i have no idea how to interpret this it's clearly very personal Mm -hmm. to you and it it creates this very mysterious edge where it's like i can't help but feel that the music you're writing is very help very much helping you process yeah in the moment yeah and so it's like you just get it down you record it yeah. And then it lives. That's thank you. It's so cool. I've like I love um I that's a really special piece of feedback. That lyric is about sometimes when my anxiety gets really bad, like I can't feel certain parts of my body. Like Whoa. like my my hands or my my feet sometimes, but like it'll get tingly. Mm-hmm. Um because my anxiety gets kind of rippy sometimes and Is it uh, is it mainly a social anxiety or is it kind of just triggered by not mainly. I do have social anxiety, but like um, just anxiety in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so like with that partner, it was like, it was like, oh, everything's not fine and it's been bad for a while. Yeah, you can come over and like, we'll just keep doing the same shit and mm. not pretend like we're, we, we're fine and we're yeah. good. So like kind of that, like, that's just... It's funny because, yeah, that lyric is so elusive and kind of like, what the hell is she talking about? But why do you think we're so prone to like kind of repeating those processes and these loops that we know are bad for us? Why, why do you find hmm. like looking back that that made sense to keep kind of treading over time and time again? I think for me, it was like a safety net. Mm-hmm. You know, even if something even if something is unhealthy, it's still there. It's still like sound or noise. Mm-hmm. Um especially when you've experienced a lot of darkness with somebody it's a comfortable but we've gone through it together mm-hmm. um versus the absence of that person in their entirety mm. so like i think that record was about me letting go and making the music video even as well i made it with like i shot the shot it directed it made it with my ex mm-hmm. 
And that was even a, f- a furthering of fleshing out every aspect of uh, what was hard. Yeah. Um, and we really leaned into it, that music video just being like, what does apathy feel like? What does apathy feel like? And what, like, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I want, you know, like actually listening to records like Julia Jacqueline's record crushing where it's like a very clearly like a breakup yeah. record. It's just like so many of those songs are about like pausing mm-hmm. and just like acknowledging feeling or lack thereof and darkness and like feel like i'm just now coming out of like that like hole yeah um welcome glad you yeah yeah <laughs> thanks uh california sun brought me here uh no but like i could kind of go on a rant for a while about it that's but, fine but yeah i know what you're saying is like i think it's a comfort thing it's like right even if it's like negative comfort it's still like a blanket of yeah. like what i've had for so yeah. long you know so do you consider Quiet Sides a breakup EP? I guess. Is it your crushing? I guess like so, but um, uh, this is, I'm just being really, just sharing it all, which is really, <laughs> which is rad because I, I, I love doing that. Yeah, thank um, you. I appreciate it. Yeah. We weren't completely broken up when the EP came out. Right. So we had broken up for a little bit and then was working on the record and then we came back and then... Um, so I still have a lot that I've been processing writing this new stuff, but um, yeah, uh, and I feel like a lot of times what I was saying earlier is it's just like sometimes I feel like the I've heard musicians talk about synesthesia. Um, do you know what that is? Is that like seeing sounds? Yeah, like seeing color in in music or like seeing seeing yeah feeling sound feeling color or something right, like that. Like- um, sometimes I feel like with the with like I don't know it just the timbre of, of music and instruments and stuff, it almost like scratches an itch or a leaves a feeling and makes me feel a little bit less isolated than like sometimes human connection can do. Mm-hmm. So um, working on how to translate that when I'm collaborating, like <laughs> this is what I feel. Yeah. And um, how do I translate a feeling to somebody that doesn't feel it in a, technical way you know yeah but that's interesting yeah yeah. how how have you found success there um well i to kind of tie in what i've been doing now um with these live sessions um my a couple of mentors who are musicians of mine have helped me kind of like digest maybe more technical terms or like processes of like making a record and being like understanding like a lot of the processes like writing fleshing a demo out fleshing something out hating it and then starting over mm-hmm. and knowing that that's part of the process so i'm friends with uh sharon vinnetton who I'm, crazy I don't probably have to explain <laughs> she's amazing and um i look up to her so much i met her in new york um now she lives out here and so do i and so i've had the, the huge privilege of being in her life and helping her with her music and and like seeing her space and how she records and she also uses a lot of like analog gear like I want to use it's just so expensive so I've had the privilege <laughs> of like being able to like be in that space and yeah. it actually more analog stuff feels helps me write yeah the like robustness and like I don't know what it is but it feels more organic to me yeah but anyways she's helped me a lot with like understanding writing processes and asking me questions. Uh Um, 
and getting the behind the scenes of like how she makes music it's like whoa it's um it's a long process like, <laughs> she's made her records like before they came out like multiple times with right several different producers and like that's just what it is right you know wow so i want to dive <laughs> deep into the the sharon van etten connection because that's fascinating uh, but to touch a little bit more on the record so yeah, it's kind yeah. of it's kind of like a breakup record in the sense that it was like really helping you process this relationship and kind of make your peace with it um so much so that you made killer with your boyfriend <laughs> And then I love how it ends. You're like running away. Like, guys, <laughs> it's just, yeah. just like bye, which is yeah, which totally. is very interesting in retrospect. Uh, but yeah, isn't it? yeah I, know, <laughs> I know. It's like symbolic imagery for sure. We wanted to make it this like it's an extremely dark song. And so we wanted to play around with like how can we like flip this around and mm. like make it silly and over the top with these flares of like extreme vulnerability and honesty so like all like this the part where like it's like the school photo mm-hmm. and i'm like sticking my tongue out and being silly and like yeah. dancing and like were that- you a, are you a trained dancer by the way or did you just yeah. go for it you were okay yeah but i mean the dancing in that video is very like free and silly but yes. yeah but it was tasteful I, I i found it i loved how i don't know if this was on purpose <laughs> but your feet matched perfectly I want to say with with the ride of a yeah, of the album, yeah. I was like, I was like, look at those feet. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> we just, tried to do that intentionally. Yeah, yeah. It was and awesome. then the last part of the video is like we just like kind of guerrilla styled filmmaking shot with all natural light on the parkway, mm-hmm. and it was just like it ended up being my favorite part of the video. Of course, the part that we didn't shot list and we didn't like prep for it was like this very vulnerable thing. So, mm-hmm. um. And that definitely like all the tapes with Andrew and the and the music video like closed. And now these live sessions that are out feels like that's the final chapter of like mm. the EP, which feels good because I'm really ready to like move on. <laughs> so after Killer, you have California, which I initially just was like, oh, cool, an awesome song about California, mm-hmm. love it, you know. Yeah. But now you're in California. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you're kind of staring down the barrel of like where you wanted to go like yeah. with your music and where you physically wanted to sure. take it. And so I, did you know you were moving to California no, when you were writing that? No, it's funny because I, I took the trip to California right um, before COVID. Um, and I had planned that trip for a while. And so that's the song. I had nothing to do with me moving out here. And it's funny now that I'm here. But um, my partner and I had had thought that that's where we were going to end up mm. and so um that that song is uh <laughs> that song is a like the first line is um me talking to my sister about like i think my sister has a point yeah like uh me talking to her about like yeah this is what we're gonna do and like him and i are finally gonna have like a plan and we're not gonna be long distance anymore and we're gonna have like you know he was always kind of one foot in one foot out mm-hmm. Um, so it was going to finally be this like concrete thing that we had. Yeah. Cause you know, he worked in film and I was like, you have to, you know, he's moving to LA. Right. Like I'll do that too, whatever. And, um, and then it wasn't and he like backed out of that. So, um, yeah, it's funny now. Like people like make that joke <laughs> and I'm like, it totally like, I had no idea that I was going to be moving out here. And like, I actually hated the idea of moving to California cause I was like, 
New York is my spot. Yeah, you're at the crossroads. Yeah. You mentioned right after. Do you say, or maybe I'll move to New York or something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, are on the road to New York City. Yeah. I'll drink some other stuff on the way. So, like, was kind of like oscillating between the yeah, two. Yeah, this is such like a youth crossroads. Yeah, I think totally. it's like a, it's like a it's like a rite of passage. Yeah. Like at some point, if you're not from one of those cities, you have to make the decision. Yeah, are you gonna go to L.A.? I know. Or are you gonna go it's to New York? So fucking cliche. And they're so they're yeah. complete opposites. They are, <laughs> and it's so funny because like that's my least favorite song on the record, and like I spent months working on that vocal tape, <laughs> and like hours and hours and hours one night. Uh, working on it and it's a lot of people's favorite song and it's just like I kind of hate I just uh, I have a lot of problems with it like every time I listen to it I'm like I hear oh no you can't do that yeah I know I know but it's like it's so yeah I don't know that was the song that stood out that was my initial favorite yeah Um, that was the one that like I just love towards the end like when you're just belting California and just really stretching it yeah um, and the and guitar like yeah that he like again it was created. catharsis you yeah know? and then the more I listen to it the more I think I actually I just love now I feel it like it always just Thank scratches you. my itch and like I just blast it going down the PCH going oh. to the beach and it's just my jam um, thanks that's so sweet but yeah it's it's interesting after California you have of course, um, I guess I was in love. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is the that's the most I would say revealing and and densest song from a songwriting perspective. Like uh, the first three tracks are again like almost they're very sparse, right? Yeah. In terms of like actual lyricism. Yeah, yeah. The, you're kind of inputting these little fixations yeah, like as lyrics, yeah, and then yeah. this was the first song where we I guess got a little bit more of a cohesive songwriting narrative. From yes, you. I agree. Um, what what made like I don't know what made you want to write this song, and I guess what were you trying to impart upon who it was. <laughs> towards yeah, or who, who, yeah. who inspired it i wrote um, i wrote this song in one sitting which never happens yeah um it's kind of one of those moments of magic where you're just like in a it happens to me sometimes when i'm performing but specifically songwriting it like i kind of like tune out like my hearing uh i don't know it's just it's this weird thing that happens where like somebody's talking to me like i can't even like hear what they're saying because i'm just like in that space mm-hmm. and so yeah i wrote it all in one sitting um and it felt like the piece like the song the reason I put at the end of the record was because it felt like a final like sigh of like it's okay Mm -hmm. and like I guess that's just it is what it is and like I need to hold space for myself instead of being like uh harboring resentment or being sad like just like being with it and being like the light like like seeing all these things fade um into this one um i don't know how to describe it but it just it felt like a like a resignation of like i'm here now and i acknowledge that like being in love is very messy and and i wouldn't have made these songs i wouldn't have done any of this without all of that darkness you know mm-hmm. um and so yeah and it's and it's funny uh, i'll admit this here and hopefully I'm scared to ever tell Sharon this, but um, (laughs) the organ on that song was an homage to um, Sharon's song, uh, not Our Love, but um, Love More. I don't know if you know that song by her. It's on her first album? I think it's, no, it's on, 
I don't know which record it's off of. Okay. I'll have to go Might revisit. Might be off of her record Tramp or I'm no, it's off her record Epic actually. Um and anyways, so there's a song Love More on there that and she did it on a I think it's called a harmonium or it's like a hand organ, I forget. Mm-hmm. Um but I listened to that song years ago and it like very deeply affected me. And so it was this homage to that record. This like, you know, just having that organ in there. And I <laughs> never would tell her that. But what was so special is that now with these live sessions, <laughs> I got to play, I guess I was in love with the organ that Sharon put on that song. And it was very emotional for me. I was like, uh, it was this like full circle moment that nobody else on set really knew. Yeah. And I just like, so grateful. And it was like a year ago, I would have been like beside myself right. because I like never wow. would have thought that. And now it's just like, that's why making music is so special to me. It's like the idea of being recognized like as a solo artist in like a fame way freaks mm-hmm. me out. Um, but the, the notion and privilege of like, hopefully eventually being able to like make music with people that I admire like that is like the reason I do it. Yeah. That's you insane. That's so. like, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's a, what a weird like There's psychedelic parallel, moment. Right? We're just like, Whoa, yeah, <laughs> here it is. I, would, I wouldn't, it feels like something for me, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> that segues us perfectly into, I guess where you are now. So you just put out yesterday, the quiet side live sessions. Yeah. What made you want to revisit those almost a year later? Not only revisit them, but you reinterpret them. So like when you're performing them, you almost approach them from like a fundamentally different perspective where it's like, I feel like a lot of people, when they get that really good take, they will try to recreate that in live settings because that's like the best take Yeah, where it's like, um, it's usually the more bold the artist is (laughs) like, um, I used to be really huge on the Frank Sinatra. Um, yeah, yeah. And every version of Frank Sinatra's songs live, completely different with phrasing, delivery, he'll swap in and out lyrics and completely reinterpret them for whatever audience is in front of him. Um, Mm -hmm. And you kind of decided to do these live reinterpretations. Is that more so, is that how you kind of uh, perform in general or is there something that you were trying to capture in these live sessions that you feel that you failed to capture originally? Yeah, that thing is a great question. Number one, I never got to play Quiet Sides Live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a full band and we were going to like, um, it was going to be my first like headlining show. And then quarantine happened like three days later. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, classic. Nobody, <laughs> nobody else has this problem. Yeah. Uh, no other musician's <laughs> tour got canceled. Um, and secondly, I wanted to do an iteration of the EP of where I'm at musically now. Mm-hmm. And what my musical influences have done to me now. And I want this new record to have a lot more like of that, of the vibes of like the kind of like 70s roads, like organ and like that analog, like drum machine, just like a little bit chunky, but also like, I don't know quite how to describe it, but it's like what I've really been listening to now. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been listening to a lot of like, it's kind of all over the place, but like, you know, Joy Division and like Radiohead and like a lot of um, bigger production valued things mm-hmm. in tandem with uh, very like classic like indie rock and like heavier 
like classic stuff like that. Yeah. But that being said, um, and Sharon's studio has all those like amazing equipment in there. And I wanted to like incorporate that and, and reimagine it. And I also was playing a solo set, Mm -hmm. but that's not how it would be like live traditionally with like my band. So yeah, it was kind of this in between space of like, I want to play this record live. I want to reimagine it differently. And next week there will be a song from the new record that I performed in those live sessions that will be on the new record, which will be. So we're getting new music next week. Yeah. Sick. Um, just on the live sessions, not on streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On streaming, it'll be the actual record. But yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Um. So I hope you know. It's like every time I make a project that, like, in any way like this, it's like you learn. Like, okay, how can I do this differently next time? And like all right. those different things. But yeah, that's kind of where I was with that. Okay. And how the hell did you end up recording it and sharing that <laughs> in studio? Um. Yeah, I um yeah, it's I am still <laughs> taken I still processing. don't even know how to process it. She's a a good friend of mine and I do some work for her as well. Okay. Um as like my job partially. Um and she offered it and just you know, I was looking for a space to do these live sessions and she offered her space and I just very much have imposter syndrome about that kind of thing, <laughs> but it happened. And, um, and I met her in New York when I was doing the internship in Brooklyn from the management company that she signed to. Uh-huh. And then we just like got dinner and like ever since have been friends. And, um, so it's kind of just like a blessing. I don't really know how to. So you were an intern in New York and you, I guess your intern project had, was somehow intertwined with Sharon Van Etten. So actually, no. I mean, I was an intern there. I, I n- am now very close with her manager, but like um, I got coffee with him one day and was just like, I've listened to her records since like the beginning, you know? And I was like, I didn't even know she was signed there until after I got the internship. And I was like, if there's any way that like I could just... Is she on Secretly Canadian? She's under Jag Jag. Jag Jag, okay. And gotcha. um, through Mick Management as their management label. But um, yeah, it seemed like it would be secretly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and one day I just like kind of thought I was putting my foot in my mouth and I was like, I'd love to just like buy her a coffee or like see her in the studio. And like, like I'm probably stepping out, out of line. And he was like, oh my God, no. And, and then we just like hit it off, her and I hit it off. And she is the most wonderful that's good i feel like she'd scare the absolute hell out of me i am oh the first time i met her i was like she's like an i like yeah I, like she's like one of the reasons i make music she's like a rock god like, she is totally total it, rock babe and like it's insane the nicest will give anybody the time of day like most grounded and rich uh in terms of personality and just like you know, just like makes me want to make music and she's right. amazing. So, so were you already a fan when you got closer yeah. to her world? Yeah. Which I've had to separate my, I've had to like put that away, you know, <laughs> being around somebody who are like, you're the reason I make music. And then you're like, want to get a lunch? You're just like, right, yeah. <laughs> it's a, I don't know. I'm not used to it. And I, I keep my relationship with her pretty private yeah. uh, for that reason. Um, so it's been a huge privilege to, shadow her in a way and just be like she's been a huge mentor and like helped me sculpt like my my songwriting process now and so that's i was kind of with these live sessions i was like how can i like show what i'm learning yeah 
Um, and also like, yeah, it, it was it, all of it's a learning curve for me. You yeah. Know? So, well, I mean, thanks for listening. Yeah. It's insane. I, I can only imagine how much it hit when she referenced your music as uh, reminding oh my her goodness. of a younger version oh, no. I, I of herself. I cried to my mom that day. I was like, no, I can't deal with this. Yeah, your career is so young, but it seems like you've really put yourself in a position with the right tools and the right mentors around you to really kind of develop your songwriting even further, which is incredibly exciting because it seems like you have such a natural gift in terms of understanding your, your sonic identity. Um, I think you. you have a strong sense of that. And so with wow. more resources at your disposal, I am so stoked um, <laughs> to see you. where you can kind of take that. But so tell us a little bit more about where you are now. What's it been like arriving to L.A. with like this renewed energy? <laughs> yeah, so I got here in the middle of COVID. So that was silly and stupid. And But ultimately what I needed, you know, I was home living in my parents' house and it was it was dark shit, but like you know we were all going through dark shit. Yeah. Um. And I decided that I was going to move to LA for various reasons, and um, kind of felt like all of this like mass exodus of musicians and people that I love like moved out here, and I was like maybe this is the spot. Um. Mm. And so, long story short, um, I got here in in January, and you know my experience with Sharon has definitely colored my experience here. Mm feel very blessed very blessed to have community the community that i do and even through like my manager and, and whoever just like people from school and people that i've met that have been on crew for this live session just like meeting you through people that i know it's been such a privilege i know that it can be a very lonely city you know so and and now it's beautiful like things are open and we're fully vaccinated and it's like I am getting to see a show in a couple of months and like, Who? I'm just, what? What show? Um, so I'm seeing a Waxahachie and Katie Kirby show I was telling you about. Cool. And then I'm seeing Leon Bridges later this year. Nice. I saw those tickets go up. Yeah. I haven't, actually I just bought my first concert ticket. It's like two, yeah. two days ago too. There's this really, really sick jazz label from, I think they're from Lund uh, England uh -huh. um, called International Anthem. I don't know oh, if you please know. Please share this with me. Oh yeah. my, they're they're just insane. Like it's uh -huh. just a crazy diverse group of talent. Like I see them as like the modern day like Blue Note Records. That's not. Blue oh Note no Records. way! Yeah, they're yeah. great. Um, and is it like pretty traditional jazz or like neo soul or like what? Is they kind of touch upon like so many different realms. So like I don't know if you know like Micaiah McCraven, who's yep. just this absolute ridiculous drummer. And yes. So they have him on the label, um, but they also have people that are much more. I want to say spiritual jazz tinge a little bit more lo-fi down tempo it's they have such a diverse lineup of musicians and they're hosting a little release party for carlos nino who's on their label and jeff parker who's on uh -huh. their label um and it's like a venue limited like to like 125 people that's jeff like, parker's ill that's so sad the best kind of shit like small fucking venues yeah, like that where like, you're like nobody's there it's like yeah and like when it's packed you feel just like at a house show kind of yeah, it's, yeah. Or i mean like for a jazz show but it's right. like that's my that's my shit yeah, yeah it I reminds me of like i've always wanted to like transport back in time and go to like the village vanguard oh jazz God. club oh, yeah. when there's like yeah. miles davis or bill evans of there course. and i was like what the hell would that have been like and so to me i'm like this is probably exactly what it's like let's keep going um <laughs> i can 
attest to the power of community and just like completely yeah. improving your yeah. life from every facet, you know? Do you feel that out here? Um, what, I don't know. What's your experience been like out here? And like, how is your community and, and stuff like that? Yeah. So we moved here from New York three years ago and being from New York, I had very close friends that I went to like middle school with and that I grew up uh-huh. with, but making friends outside of school and just as like a, an inhabitant of this crazy city was absolutely impossible for us. And in New, York city. in New York city. And it was, it was the most oppressive environment. Like right before we left, I would walk out of the subway station and feel like the, the, the towers were literally like uh-huh. closing like in over me. And so I found mm. building community in New York to be exceptionally difficult. Um, whereas in California, it's like you arrive here with like, I guess the, the, the trite, saying of like people are fake out here you know that's oh, what right. everybody which tells is what you. i was told too which is what yeah. everybody gets told coming yeah. to california but it's like what i have experienced is that people are far more open like, i agree people, people are, just are nice here nice like it's like people <laughs> seem to be at a more stable baseline yeah to where making a random encounter at a coffee shop or at a grocery store or just on a block is so much more likely and to be received so much better because everybody seems to have a little bit of a higher quality of life simply because the weather's good. They could go to the beach. They could go to the mountains. Yeah, yeah. There's there's more opportunity for escape here without the price tag. Mm. And so I find I found that people are far more open. Maybe that leaves yourself that leaves yourself personally open to encountering more fake people. But it's like you gotta. It's our personal responsibility to understand if we're being taken advantage sure, of. Sure, I, you know what, I really agree with that, and it's also like the energy that you put out is what you're going to receive, right. you know. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like even just like me meeting you, right? I, it's like I don't like that's so happenstance, and also just like me just like affirming that like maybe you want to be intentional and like what you're putting out there. And like you're saying, it's your responsibility to like not surround yourself with people like that. Yeah. If you can, if you're chasing the scene, you're going to get burned. But the people that aren't chasing the scene out here are people that probably moved here to have a little bit slower quality of life, to like enjoy the sunshine, to be able to relax. And it's like, there's such a, I don't know, a stronger baseline of just like chillaxed open people out here. So it's been, it's been wonderful. Like we've actually made friends here. Which is really yeah, cool. I know Sam. I'm Sam. Like, Whoa. Yeah, like, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It's been huge. And now um, I have, just because of my natural passions of music, I've been able to develop just a really cool, close network of Ugh. musicians. Even though I don't create, it's just cool to always no, surround yeah. myself with that energy. You know? I know. I love... Obviously, this is a podcast people can't see, but I love your setup, and I love I love the concept of like the the podcast and like starting with the record. That's so neat. Yeah, thank you. And it's like, um, there's so much good shit out there, and especially being out here, um, I'm so excited to absorb like the rich scene that's out here. Yeah, you know? so. and now you're probably just actually getting to experience exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. There's a lot to discover out there. Um, I guess back to Adriana McCassum as a yeah, recording artist, yeah. how, how was it, I guess, with your family when you decided that I'm going to move West and like really go yeah. deep musicianship or musicianhood? Like, um, um how was that received? Not super well. Yeah. Um, 
Unfortunately, I love, I'm really close with my family. I love them a lot. So mom and dad, if you're listening, I love you. Um, (laughs) But yeah, my dad is pretty protective and like struggle, like, you know, I'm just so far away. So I think it was a fear of that and me like just proving myself to them that like, it takes a lot of fucking work, you know? And, like, this is a very expensive city, and and it's not like I just, you know, like, I think it was probably my whole family extended, included being, like, I'm not just moving out here, like, doughy-eyed, being, like, L.A., like, welcome me with open arms, like, time to be a musician. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's not, it's pretty, I mean, ruthless. You know, like, everybody out here got here yesterday and has been doing this shit. You know, it's, like, I think there's, like, that's kind of what I was told, and I, um, and it's true. However, it's it's the happiest I've been in a long time. Yeah. And it's also like when I moved out here, I felt like, okay, it's time to like, like a f- I felt more driven and fired than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And also like the space that I made Quiet Sides in, that chapter, I love and so grateful for all the people that helped make that record happen and also like I'm excited to like find new people and a new band and a new recording space like that feels good to me um Asheville has a quality that's it's so laid back Mm -hmm. and welcoming and easygoing yeah and rent is I was gonna say it's so cheap it's it's gone up but still it's very like there's not much competition so it's easy to kind of just be comfy Mm -hmm. And I feel like I needed a space that was more competitive and like, what do you fucking got? Yeah, you know? absolutely. So. Um, that's actually, I found moving to LA gave, provided like the actual, um, like almost like it freed up, like if my brain was a computer, it freed up like RAM, you know, it freed yeah, up the operating yeah. power for me to like actually align with what I wanted to do and like really plot out. All right, what's point one? What's point two? What's three, four, five, six? Whereas in New York, it felt every single day, it's so easy to get distracted in New York just because you could literally just walk out your front door and do something, anything, just well, walk I mean, around. You leave your house and it's like, go, 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 yeah. go, go. And it's like you become so enveloped in like the, the collective consciousness of the actual New oh, York yeah. City. Whereas here, it's Did like... Did you struggle with like anxiety or anything over there? Um, no, not really. Um anxiety for me has more so been strictly limited to social sure social anxieties just like meeting new people is something that that freaks me out um (laughs) same (laughs) oh my like dude especially like i did not realize how anxious i was to meet you until i saw your carpool i was like i was like who is this i was like this is a whole new person i've been in my house for a year you know well you've been extremely warm and wonderful (laughs) thank thank you but it's um yeah, that's really that's about the extent of the sure. the anxieties that yeah, I yeah. dealt with in New York, but it was more so that I felt that staying in that environment would prohibit me from actually moving forward in anything that I found to be um mm. personally fulfilling mm-hmm. because I was just caught in the noise. Yeah. And like LA, you have this very interesting metropolis, um but you're very much within it's it's easy to disconnect and yeah. find what you need to to recuperate and like recover 
And so I think as a creative, it's very beneficial. And that's why this attracts so many songwriters and musicians. Is I agree. It's such a high quality of life and you're still attached to like what's to culture and what's yeah, trending. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you can also go about it in a private manner. There's space. Yeah. I mean, even just the notion of like having a yard. Yeah, wow. Well. Or like having this much, like you, it's like, I agree. It's just like, I need, that was one of the biggest things about LA is like nature, space. Yeah. And some quiet. Yeah. When I lived in New York, it was, no. I mean, people like clubbing in the room below me or like <laughs> yeah. the streets were so, I mean, it was just crazy. Oh my gosh. I, I did ayahuasca. No and way. I did, I did ayahuasca <laughs> in a yoga studio next to a bar. And like Stop. the entire time I was like tripping out, I could just hear. Oh my God. Yeah, it was wild. I, I want to know more about that. <laughs> um, I, um, I took acid over, over COVID and that was, thank God I was in Asheville because it was like quiet <laughs> and just in nature. I can't imagine doing that in like oh a fucking goodness. city. Like people go to shows and like, I worked Bonnaroo and there were people like tripping balls next to me at this like Odessa show and I'm like, what is that? How do people do that? How do people? I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I'm convinced there has to be like different types of brains I, or something. Because I'm like, if you gave me a tab of acid at Bonnaroo no. or, or at Coachella, or I, I'd have friends that would just like go out to see something at Webster Hall. And I'm like, the show's three hours long, four hours max. Your acid trip is 12 hours. Yeah. What the hell are you going to do? <laughs> for the I rest don't know. Of your oh, I'm the wrong person. Yeah. yeah, I know. My anxiety terrifying. would be like, hell no. Yeah. There's no way. <laughs> I've I've always been one that utilized psychedelics as more of like a, a like a healing modality. Like I would. Me, yeah, me too. You know, I put on headphones. I like strap myself to a couch, and then that's my ritual. Um, but those people like a that sacred thing, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know to to speak. I guess to ayahuasca very briefly was. I don't, it, it was a very, I've had this routine with psychedelics where it's like, I've been doing them since I was about 16, like pretty young and always with intention. Um, mm. And so the last like two or three psychedelic experiences I've had have just emphasized so much that like, I don't really need that right now um, mm-hmm. because it's, I don't know. I'd it's always, intense. yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's very traumatic to put yourself through. And it's like, if you're, <laughs> yes. if you're doing it to find, um, a way to like level up, which is how I always did is like, what can I learn about myself? What can I take away? How do I be a better me? Um, you put a lot of pressure on yourself in those, yeah. in those moments to like find something novel. Um, Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. But then towards the end, like I I did ayahuasca and actually had a very mild experience. And like the only thing that stood out to me was like, it was basically telling me, it was like, you don't, you already know what you need to work on when this trip is over. You've known it for years, you know, that's the last psychedelic trip told you exactly what you needed to work on. And it's like, you keep coming back looking for something new. Um, and that to me is like literally the definition of insanity. So I was like, yes, yeah, it is. And then sure, like when sure. you're in that space where you're like, you oh, could yeah. literally go insane and yeah. you have that train of thought. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, psychedelics. Are you experienced with them or? No, that's the thing is um, I, I microdosed for a couple months. Interesting. Um, and I read this book about it called A Really Good Day. It like changed my life. Did you um, microdose for music or for everything? I microdose for depression. Okay. Um, and it helped my creativity like 
immensely. Mm. I mean, it was like, it's a tenth of a tab yeah. every three days. So it's very minor. Yeah, super small. And um, diluted. It's just like a whole process. Um, and oh my gosh, it like, it's a little bump of serotonin. Uh-huh. And also like a freeing of your mind space that like, that like psychedelic psilocybin, whatever brings that's like my, yeah, my creativity, my songwriting, my inhib- inhibitions were like unguarded. It was just like, it was really lovely. Um, and then I ran out and I just like never picked it up. But then afterwards I took, I like for the first time tried like a full tab and it was really intense. <laughs> and then like, I was like, you know, like afterwards your serotonin, it's like a serotonin borrower. Kind right. Of. So I was like really low the next day. Oh was, yeah. Like, it was traumatic. I was yeah, like, all this, yeah, the first being on it for 12 hours, you're like, obviously on one and just like absorbing a lot and like out of body it's hard to describe yeah and then the day after and the week after i was like it was intense so i haven't done it since i did like a year ago i guess but um i feel you that's cool so when you started microdosing for depression that was that was i take it your first interaction with like psychedelics yes which is interesting it wasn't like yeah what was it what was it like like kind of crossing that fear boundary into like I am going to try this very effective but very unorthodox method of medicating depression and like a It was interesting cuz I I read this the book and it was by this like suburban mom who like was afraid of drugs her whole life and yeah. it was like affirming to me of like okay this has been tested like if this isn't just like some random person and like mm-hmm. in their basement trying shit out it's like it had been tried by several people and studied, um, even though the war on drugs like fucked it up, mm-hmm. um, and our administration and all that. But um, you know, it's like I'm. People are like so hesitant with psilocybin and psychedelics, but they're like chill with putting like, like pharmaceutical drugs in their yeah. bodies. Yeah. So that was my whole perspective, and I was like, I'm open to like help trying to try this thing my partner at the time was doing it and so we were talking about it and and that's kind of what got me into it and it was like it was kind of scary you know I was like what's gonna you know like it's very unfamiliar and like not prescribed by like a medical professional you know like yeah. you would go to a doctor or whatever um but I've heard a lot of songwriters or like artists who have taken it yeah um there was actually a documentary on Netflix did you I don't know if you saw it maybe it was like Sting was in it and, yes and yeah like, um I think Stevie Nicks and like several other people. I don't know, but it was like they were talking about their experience with psilocybin. It was all kind of around the same time, and I was like, maybe I should try this thing. Oh, interesting. So yeah. now I want to. I want to try it again, but I feel like I need a couple more. Like I need a little bit of time. Yeah, you know, you definitely need a period of like um, respite. Yeah, yeah, you have to kind of take in everything from last time and transmute yeah, it into something yeah. good before you go back in. Because otherwise, it's like. Too many people get lost in just like the uh, intriguing aspects of it. Like, wow, I could put on an album and just like really have a lot of fun and explore this album in a way I never have before. And they, you get too wrapped up in like the goofy fun aspects of it. Mm-hmm. But you fa- then you fail to realize that like this thing can totally. My my fiance, or sorry, she's my wife now. Um, my wife's entire life was altered fundamentally by a mushroom trip. Like, really. In a like, negative way? In a negative, then really positive way. So it's like negative because she had to basically put to bed her entire persona that she had been leading up mm-hmm. to like that moment with, who was like, you know, that that sure. like 19-year-old rocky hard exterior that like just like kind of protects you. Yeah. 
the shrooms were just like, give me that. You're just vulnerable now. You're naked. And we're going to rebuild you up from ground up over the next couple of years. And she, yeah, that's intense. It's intense. It's like, it's like probably the most violent thing that you could experience outside of violence. Um, and it's, but it's powerful because she's a completely different and stronger person because of it. But it's like, you had to go through the muck. Um, but now you're here in California and like psychedelics (laughs) are ingrained in the musical landscape. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Have you gotten to like drive through like Laurel Canyon and yes. And and my boss is telling me about like the history of Laurel Canyon and, and, um, all of the musicians that came out of there. Um, so yes, I've driven through Laurel Canyon and Mulholland drive stunning. Yeah. And I've also like done a drive, down to the PCH. Um, the first time I drove down the PCH, I listened to. Do you know Blake Mills? I know him by name. I'm okay. not sure if I recognize. A I'll song. send you one of his records. Okay. So his self-titled record, which is his first album, is incredible. Um, it's just like him and his like. It's like a very acoustic record, um, but I listened to that record for the first time on the drive down there alone. And I had like downloaded the records. There was no reception. And you're just like driving through this like canyon pretty much um, down to the one. And then I went to the beach and just like wrote for like six hours. Cool. And I was just like emotional and like, I mean, it feels like I'm on Mars out here. It's like (laughs) in comparison to like the Appalachian Mountains and like where I'm from. Yeah. The topography and like diversity in such a small space is crazy to Mm. me. So anyways, all that to say, yeah, there's, and he lives out here and um, there's a lot of, musicians out here that i feel like it's palpable you know i'm excited to like yeah to see that in full full swing but yeah there is a wonderful wonderful bar that you should certainly frequent i wonder if it's open now i'm sure um your boss is very familiar uh the zebulon have you heard of it i live right behind that yeah dude one set place is alive it's one of it's like the one of the coolest vibes it's like a there so that they're from their first album was in Brooklyn or in in New York. Oh no way! Yeah, I they're didn't know from that. they're French and um, yeah. Sharon's really good friends with them, and she told me that like that was her spot in New York, and so she just did a residency with them here. Yeah, and like did like a live show that was pre-recorded um, because of that her relationship with them, but. Yeah, that's like Zebulon and Salazar right there in like Frogtown, Atwater. Yeah, Village. cool. And I live like right behind there, so I'm like crossing my fingers like I want to play a show there. So you're probably in the best spot to land as like an indie rock musician. I, I like hope that so. area yeah. is yeah. like totally everybody there could be an indie rock and musician. And I had no idea where I was moving when I came out here. Like my roommate, I met through a friend of a friend on the phone. Yeah, and she had like an open room, and I was like, sick. I don't. I just like. Like drove across country and then I like landed and it was been like a blessing. So are there any plans for you to perform physically in the next couple of months? Um, so I'm planning a show, not, not on the books yet. Um, I'm planning a show in July and a show in Asheville in August, but I'll, you know, I'll let you know when I have cool. dates. Unfortunately, I don't have anything like Word. right now, but okay. it's kind of weird because the world is opening both extremely fast and also like uh venues aren't like quite open yet yeah you know so yeah fingers crossed how are you with like the whole covid landscape are you do you feel comfortable enough to just trounce around like no i'm definitely apprehensive yeah like everywhere i show up i'm like are we doing 
I'm fully vaxxed. Are you fully, <laughs> yeah. Do I trust that you're fully vaxxed? It's right. Like, or like Trader Joe's, like you don't need a mask anymore, but it's like, I'm still going to wear It's very, what? it's weird. It is weird. And it's like playing a show. What does that look like inside? Like, are you in your own bubble? Like what, what, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. And I feel like we've just been, it's been a year and a half of this. So it's like, we're all like in the muscle of, I don't know, but I'm trying to, I'm getting used to it. I've been going out a little bit more. What about you? Yeah, I went to the grocery store yesterday, and you didn't eat, wear- I didn't wear my mask. How was that? It was. I, I, I felt <laughs> I felt like dirty. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I felt so ashamed. Yeah, because everybody else still had their mask on. I was like, "Is nobody vaccinated?" And they're just doing their due diligence. Is there like now, this I weird, look like the asshole or whatever? Yeah, is yeah. there like a weird social agreement in California? Like, even if you're vaxxed, you're gonna I wear know, your mask. I'm I like, know. I know. I'm not really yeah. down for it. I don't know, man. This whole year has been very long um Mm -hmm. and strange and i don't know if we'll experience anything like it again and this next year once these venues are back you're gonna have like top of the line acts monday tuesday wednesday Uh thursday friday saturday sunday like it's going to be bumper to bumper crazy music renaissance and i think you just moved to a perfect place to experience it all while you're writing your first album i know you're right and i hadn't even really thought about that because when i moved here it was so dark Mm mm-hmm and a lot of people were like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, that's crazy. I don't have... I moved out here with no job. And I'm literally an insane person, but... I did the same. So I speak yeah, your language. air high five. Yep. Yeah, it's just like now I I do. And um, thank God. But yeah, I think so too. I mean, there's so many records that came out in COVID and also records that are coming out now. And so we're like... It, we're backlogged with all that. And yeah. you're right. I think um, I, I can't wait for that. And... Um, I can't wait to play a show. So absolutely, yeah. And like for my band, I'm working on forming a new set of bandmates out here. So right on. Well, I am very excited to hear whatever you're going to be putting out next week, particularly the, the new song. Thanks. Um, thanks for having and me. And thanks for stopping by. Is there anything else that you wanted to riff on very quickly before we wrap it up? Um. No, I, I'm grateful that you like i didn't know that you found my my stuff at the beginning of COVID. that's extremely special and um shout they, out to andrew yeah andrew andrew vasco's the best um check out his his fuck vinyl vinyl head sharing account it's it's amazing um but yeah thank you for listening and like wanting me to be in your space and meet your cute pets and- is it is it weird because well, we started this conversation where you were saying that you tried to stay out not bring attention to yourself yeah how are you adjusting to that now (laughs) to where you know my whole ideology behind releasing music is like i release it and i get overwhelmed on release days like i don't touch my phone Mm -hmm. um for a couple days because i just don't know how to process it um and it's we like i'm just like now this is yours like this was this has been mine for a long time, and now this is like the listeners. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if this resonates with you, that's rad. And if not, like, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. Um, so yeah, it is weird to to like have somebody ask me about myself for an hour and a half. But <laughs> um, I'm not. I have. I don't know. It's just like a muscle to develop. Yeah, no. but um, do you listen to your own music? Like, do you? Y- yeah. Is it hard? It's hard. I don't for a while. I do so much prior to a release that I'm like sick of it. Yeah. And now that it's been a lot of time, I'll go back. Um, but um, typically, no. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. But I'm glad that I'm proud of it. I'm glad it like lives. 
online i'm glad i finished it now i'm just like anybody that puts out a body of work and it's like finished i'm like it's it's so hard to finish things you know yeah and i'm like videos films shows records i'm just like i have so much reverence for people that just like find like can find a community to make things with because it's so challenging yeah so that's kind of where i live with that i commend you because finishing things that i start has always been my hardest yeah. thing. I mean, even with this podcast, it's like it took me three years to record the first two episodes and then another year and a half to record number three. And like that's mm. something I'm constantly battling. And that's very much I what understand. it was like. Yeah. I really do. It's hard. It's it's this weird dynamic of like those things that you know will make your life better than anything. I know. Jesus. And you do it. To do and it. You're like the fuck. Like it's like going for a run. You're like, why did I not do this for a month? Right. I always feel better. But then the pr- the process of right before you do it, you're just like, ah, I don't know, I don't have time. Like, I gotta do, and you're just like, it. Absolute smokescreen. It yeah, until totally. You have no other option. But anyways, yeah, thank you so much for coming to chop it up. Um, and thank you. honestly, I know you're working on your album now. Once that's out, like, let's do it again. Please, I'd love, I'd love I, to continue I'd this conversation. To. I would love to. Thanks for having me and um, being the first in person thing I've done. Yay. I'm so glad to. Yeah. Thanks for having me and I'll be back soon, hopefully. All right. Thank you. Bye. Peace. Bye.